0: Yes,
1: sir. You already know what time it is. It's the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode eighty eight. subpoenas and your misdemeanors was too busy touring out all your arenas my passport is tatted it looks like it's active i play on these planes y'all kept me in traffic y'all dragged me in court for that and y'all back is after all of these years and drug trafficking huh time to remind me i'm black again huh all this talking back i'm too arrogant huh what would you do you knew you couldn't fail i have no fear. Of anything do everything well i have no fair jail i was born in a trap i have no fear of death. we all wanna do that it's just life i'm just nice tonight i might Raise my price, rate it price. Damn you ho Jesus I can do anything. Damn, son, where'd you Bell, find this? Hell no, hell no. Damn
0: Damn son, Bell, where'd you Bell, find Bell, no. this? I can do anything
1: I I no, we'll do
0: it live Fuck it Do it live
1: Welcome 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 to episode number eighty eight of the Bronx Bias Podcast I am your host, my name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. Dub Ron James, and we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start by saying thank you to everyone who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports Thank you to everyone who is active and engaged with me on the social media platforms. I truly, truly, truly appreciate all the love and all the support I receive from y'all. Thank you to all the essential workers out there busting their ass, battling this COVID still. And finally, thank you to all the people who are out here using their voices to affect change in a positive way. We always, 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 always have to start the shows with the thank yous. Because the thank yous are very, very, very important. Please do not forget your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website, bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com, bronxbiaspo dm dot ycom BronxBiasPod.MyShopify.com. Come check it out. Come fuck with me on there. I've got hoodies. i got t-shirts. I've got tote bags. I've got COVID masks. And I've got stickers with much, much, much more to come. Once again, for the millionth time, I am an independent potter from the BXMY, And supporting the merchandise is just one of the best ways to help keep the show going the way that it does. I don't have any sponsorships or any deals as of yet. So all of the support I receive on the merchandise is extremely, extremely, extremely vital to the health of the show. So uh, if you're out there and you like listening to the show and you want to help a brother out, check out the site. Hook yourself up with some gear. And uh, I sincerely, sincerely, sincerely appreciate every single person who has purchased some merchandise from me. I truly appreciate you guys. And with all of that being said. We are going to have a great, great, great show today, fully, fully, fully packed, and I'm in an amazing mood, I'm in a tremendous mood, and I am ready to go, so let's get it! I am in a very, very, very good mood. Today's intro was an amazing, amazing, amazing song by two amazing artists, and it is called Nice! by the carters which is jay-z and beyonce off of the album everything is love and we got to give a shout out to my guy michael graham from last week's episode because he was talking about the song nice in our interview and then then after he like talked about it i listened to the song and i was like damn i forgot how good this song was gotta be on this week's show Show shout out to michael graham for that and also shout out to jay-z who can make songs like 99 problems he can make songs like uh uh regrets he can make songs about like where i'm from rap game crack game But then he can also make cool, easy, cool, you know, easy to listen to songs like Nice. Like, and I'm nice, 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 nice. Like, this is the same guy who's saying, if you're having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Like, how you go from that to that is, like, pretty awesome. And that just shows the diversity and the uh, multifaceted nature of Jay-Z's career. Like, he can make any type of song. If you want to make a street song, he can make one. If you want to make a get money song, he can make one. If you want to make a reflective song, like where he make you cry or something, he can make that. And he can make a song where it's just you feel good and, you know, it's like give you that vibe like the summertime. You open up the windows and you get that fresh air and shit. You're just feeling good, literally. So shout out to Jay-Z. Shout out to Beyonce. Amazing song. Amazing album. Shout out to Michael Graham for for putting that song back into my mind because I really hadn't thought about it in so long. And it's just a great way to start the show for today. Now it is time for my favorite, 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 segment of the podcast. And it is called Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, Bronx Facts is a segment I like to do at the beginning of each show. Just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York. So, without any further ado, your Bronx Fact for today is... The Bronx River Art Center, founded in 1987, is a culturally diverse, multi-arts, and nonprofit organization that provides a forum for community, artists, and the youth to transform creativity into vision. The goal of the center is to bring professional arts programming to a culturally underserved population. This multi-art center has filled the West Farms community of the Bronx with art and environmental experiences, with programs that are designed to encourage our residents to engage in creative activism toward the revitalization and the future of their neighborhood for more information on the center you can visit them at their website bronxriverart.org and that is your bronx fact for episode number 88 Damn,
0: son, where'd you find this?
1: All right, all right, we're getting right to it. Today, we have a very, 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 very special guest. It's only special guests that appear here on the Bronx Bias Podcast. But today, we have Allison Hernandez, who is a multi-passionate creative, a composer, an actress, an entrepreneur, an author, and coach, with a new novel called The Ballad of Dreams. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show today, taking some time out for me. How are you?
2: Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm psyched to be here.
1: It's great to have you. It's great to have you. Um, So Allison, can you tell the people where are some of the places that you can be reached if they want to get in contact with you or see all the work that you are doing?
2: Yes, absolutely. So... First, my website is alisonhernandez.net. I just joined Twitter, (laughs) trying to figure out how to use it, uh, (laughs) at Alison Extra. Uh, Instagram is alisonhernandez underscore extra. And Facebook and LinkedIn, I am both Alison Hernandez.
1: Awesome, awesome, awesome. We got to make sure, you know, we say that. So people hear your interview today, hear all the great stuff you got. They don't, you know, they're not like, hey, where can I find her? We got to make yes, sure we Yes, come get it find out
2: me. Her. Come find me. I am not Allie Brooke, the singer from like Fifth Harmony. I'm not her. But if you Google Allison Hernandez, she's usually who comes up first. And I'm like third. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, that's why we need the clarification. You yes, do,
0: right? yes,
2: yes.
1: So, Allison, the first question I like to usually ask the guests uh, who come on the show is about COVID, because COVID has changed the world in a way that we, never saw coming, we weren't prepared for, and now we just have to adjust to. So with you and your multi-hyphenated career, how has COVID affected you personally, but also how has COVID affected you in your career, in your business?
2: Yeah, well, I think COVID um, opened up doors and also closed doors all at the same time. So personally, you know, I'm a mom of, of two boys. I have a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old. So that first year of homeschooling two teenage boys, and I had a full-time job at the time, I was a director of learning and development at an engineering firm. So balancing homeschooling two teenage boys who both have have ADHD. Uh, and, and having a full-time job and managing a team, it, it was really, it sucked. (laughs) Let's be real. It sucked. It was really hard. My kids missed their teachers. I missed their teachers. Um, our house felt like it was closing in on us. Um, so personally it, it was hard that first year. Um, professionally, it really kind of gave me the impetus, um, to expand, what I could do at home creatively. And it was really in exactly a year ago, January of 2021, I quit my full-time job to launch my uh, executive coaching firm uh, and also to create space for myself to really have time to write and to work on all of my creative uh, projects, which led to this book being published.
1: With COVID, I, every, every person that it comes on, it's always the balance between the positive aspect and the negative. Because even I look at that myself, the negative was you've got so much uncertainty out here. You don't know what's going to go on. You don't know if you can get toilet paper because people was wilding out. You remember that, right? You oh, yes. You oh, can't yes. get a roll of toilet paper. But then, I, at least when I put it on myself, I say, but that really gave me the time where I was shut down and in the house to really put my full effort toward my passions, really mm-hmm. able to get this podcast started and to figure out what type of show I wanted. I was so I had so much time to think and write ideas down. I see it as a just as a whole, as a positive thing, because without it, I'm sure I would be still in that corporate world or that nine to five setting, not really doing anything to stimulate my mind in a real, you know, positive way. So although we do see all the negatives of COVID, we don't want anyone to get sick. We don't want anyone to pass of away, of course. And now people have their own IP, ideas on what's what should be mandated, what shouldn't be mandated. Right. What's but
2: real, what's fake. What's
1: real, what's yeah. fake, what's real news mm-hmm. and fake news. Like It's just all those things. But when I look at it just as relates to Denzel and the podcast, it was the ultimate blessing because mm-hmm. it really helped me get it to this point.
2: I love that. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot you can do at home.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people in the corporate world, they got so used to working at home. Now some offices are starting to open. They're like, we do not want to go back. Oh, no. no <laughs> if no. I can send these emails in my pajamas, trust, I would like to send these <laughs> emails in my pajamas. Yes,
2: yes. absolutely.
1: <laughs> so Allison, now we're going to let's let's talk about you. Let's talk about your journey, because I know that with all the things that you do, you have another level of Information, you have another level of understanding of so many different things in the creative space. So, my first question for you in that regard is what inspired you to start your multi hyphenated career? What was one of the things, or all of the things, that really motivated you and pushed you to get to where you are now?
2: Yeah, great question. So, for me, it really was having what I would call um, a midlife creative crisis. And, and really realizing that there was a whole part of me that really is me at the core, is I am a creator, I am an artist, um, that I put on hold for a really, really long time while raising my kids. And, but at the core, I'm an artist, right? So, you know, I studied theater, I went to school for musical theater, I moved to New York to be an actress, you know, I'm professionally trained, I've, I've worked professionally in New York City, I have all of that experience, and I hadn't been doing it for so long, um, and was working in corporate America where I'm really good at that. I'm really good at that too, right? And there's a lot about um, human resources and coaching and leadership development and um, inspiring women and empowering women to live their best lives, to um, embrace who they are at the core. And I'm passionate about all of those things. <laughs> so um, I can't say there's exactly one thing that, that made it all click. Um, but i'd say the the turning 40 was the moment where i started to question and say hey there's a lot more of you that you're not sharing with the world and you're 40 and it's time <laughs> so let's get to it and let's get back to creating
1: so when you get to that moment of realization you say okay i'm i'm this age now and there's so much of me that i haven't you know put out to the yeah. world is that a you know the angel and the devil on two shoulders, where you want to go forward in your passions, but you're also held back because of your real world responsibilities. And then, well, how 100%. do you How do you work past that?
2: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, I it, totally. Allison was on each shoulder. You know, talking talking to myself. Um, I started auditioning for Broadway shows at forty one again. I hadn't walked into an audition room in 13 years. Um, I was scared shitless, (laughs) but I also had this, like, no, I know how to do this, you know, and I, I do do this and I still can do this even at this age and stage. Um, there was a lot of balancing. There was a lot of figuring out how do I do this? Um, and how do I not, um, you know, hurt the people that I love by following you know, following my dreams and following my passions again. Um, I can't tell you that I figured out the secret sauce, <laughs> but um, the secret for me was really letting go of the corporate job to create room and create space for the things that were just waiting to happen. But I wasn't giving enough space for them to happen. I was trying to shove everything in all at the same time, and that's not healthy. It's just not right. healthy,
1: right? That is, and you're right. That is not healthy. Yeah. You- I'm not a big fan of multitasking. I find that I do things better, one thing to 100%, then I work on the next thing. I can't, I, it don't work for me in my brain. It don't, <laughs> it don't calculate, it don't compute. Yeah, it's hard. It is, it really is. So Allison, what is your latest novel, The Ballad of Dreams, about? What is? Can you tell uh, the audience just a small synopsis of what your book is about and also maybe what inspired you to write it?
2: Yes, absolutely. So um, it's called Ballad of Dreams, and it is about dreams, about friendship, love, loss, and everything in between. Um, It follows two very strong women, one, uh, Audrey McKenna, a Jersey girl who's got a big dream to perform at Carnegie Hall uh, in the 1940s, pre-World War II, and her best friend and cousin, Rose Kelly who is a wife to a talent scout and a theater producer in New York city. And so it really follows both of these women's life story. um, And it alternates points of view. So one chapter is Audrey, another chapter is Rose and it goes back and forth. Um, So you're really getting deep into both of these women and the choices, the sacrifices that they make in their life from the 1940s, all the way up to the early two thousands. And they're Choices are and their life trajectories are drastically different. And they really wrestle with, you know, finding their independence, um, finding their identity uh, at a time when society was really trying to define that for them. Um, And It's also started as a musical, so I have lyrics of the songs that I composed. They are embedded into the chapters, so uh, it's kind of like reading a hyped-up libretto of a Broadway musical, but you get even deeper insight and inner monologues and a whole lot of description, way more than you would um, from reading a play. Uh, in in this experience. So that's why it's called Ballad of Dreams a novel with music because there actually are the lyrics to all of my original songs are are in each chapter.
1: So how do you how, how does one even go about writing a book in that style? How do you like figure out okay, well this is where I would like my lyrics to be and this is where I want all my regular normal writing to be? How do you write a book in that way?
2: Well, uh, because I started backwards, (laughs) so it started as a musical, so I wrote a full musical and composed over 30 songs, and I had a 130-page musical script, so it really started as that was the intention for it to be a musical, and I had done two readings of it in New York with some amazingly talented actor friends. And then COVID happened. So there was no theater for over a year plus. And I got feedback from three different people in the theater world and in the publishing world who had read it and said, you know, this reads like a novel. And like, have you thought about turning it into a book? Because I think it really could work as a book. And I thought they were crazy at first. You know, I'm like, no, it's a musical. There's music in it. That's not a book. Um, But once I kind of, opened my mind up into the, the idea that well why the heck not like why can't it be more than one thing and why can't i make up my own damn genre you know like let's yeah. let's morph genres together um so that's really how it started so what i started converting each scene into a chapter and i just left the lyrics there like where they would go in the scene i just left them there um but yeah that's kind of how how it morphed
1: wow that's that is really interesting. I never even thought of a book that would be written in that way. I don't know. If, I don't even know if you're going to know this. There is an old movie with Beyonce in it called Carmen, a hip hopera, And oh. the movie was uh-huh. between her and I believe it was Makai Pfeiffer was the other actor. Okay. And they would have lines, like regular lines. And yeah. then they would break into song sure. in the movie. So is a book written in that sort of style. So basically like they'll have a conversation. Hey, how you doing today? Oh, I'm good. Uh, How are you? And then they would start singing. Like they would have blocks where they would just break into song.
2: Yes. So
1: it's just like that.
2: It is just like that. Yes. Okay. And you could go on for like four paragraphs of just one character's inner monologue. And then all of a sudden there's a song. So
1: that's a very interesting writing style. Do you see yourself? Do you see yourself? writing more books in that style?
2: I have no idea. (laughs) This really kind of just happened by accident. So, um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I think I have more books in me. Um, I, I don't know what style they will be. You know, I've debated, Oh, I should write a coaching book, you know, like I'm a coach. I should write one that like actually helps people and like has, you know, has like takeaways and things like that. Um, and I think I could write that book really easily. Um, but it's more fun to write fiction.
1: It it's is more fun. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I never really saw any book written in that way. So that's really cool. So good. This is piggybacks us right into my next question because you had to undergo so much reinvention of yourself, you know, with your old life and now into your new life. So How, in your opinion, can you reinvent yourself at any age?
2: Yeah, well, I think I'm the poster child for it. And um, I think anyone can reinvent themselves, no matter what age or stage of life you're at. And my first piece of advice is really to get curious and to become a student again. And there's a part of me that, um, you know, I, I was a learning and development director for a long time and, and had this whole huge corporate career. In my corporate career, I was really empowering and leading teams and facilitating learning and development programs and leadership development programs. So I was helping other people constantly learn. And I found that this is just a part of me, a side of me, is that I will get obsessed with learning something new. And I honestly can't sleep until I have like consumed every single piece of information or education about whatever that new skill is that I'm trying to learn. So that would be my advice for anyone trying to reinvent themselves is to get curious and to become a student again and just start learning again. Like whatever excites you, you know, whether that's like learning how to cook a new dish or how to Spin, you know, and get a Peloton and get on your bike for the first time. <laughs> like, I mean, there's so many different things that, um, you know, that we can learn. And uh, you know, surrounding yourself with people who have done the thing that you want to learn, and building a community around that. I just, I just ask everyone, like, who do I know? Uh, who do I know who has done this before? Okay, well, if they haven't done it before, who do I know who knows someone who's done this before? And and then I just start asking.
1: That's and I see so many parallels between what you just said and how I started. So Mm. when I first had the idea, I said, okay, I want to do a podcast. What's the first thing I need to do? All right. Who do I know who has ever done a podcast? And then I I was like, okay, I know no one. (laughs) (laughs) So what I started doing literally was I would go on Instagram and I would type in hashtag podcaster. Mm -hmm. And all the day of the pictures and the names of people come up, I would just send them a message. Hey, what's going on? My name is Denzel. I want to get started. How did you start? Just like that. Just like that. And I figured in my head, I said, if they don't respond to me, it'll be just like I never sent them a message anyway. And so many people, strangers, Mm -hmm. like just was like, okay, great. That's awesome. Like, I want you should do this. You should do this. I started using, you know, X, Y and Z. And it was like, wow, that was really helpful to me. And I always take that with me. So when people reach out, sometimes I even know how hard it is to reach out to somebody, especially a stranger. I always just try to take the time and give them all the information that I know because I understand what that could do and how that could help you. So 100%, I'm with you on that. I'm with you.
2: I love that. Yes. And then you pay it forward. And then you pay it forward. When someone reaches out to you and says, how do I do that? How did you get started? Well, let me tell you. Let me help you.
1: Exactly, exactly. I should be a coach too. I'm putting that in yes, my. there and you I'm, go. I'm putting it in my, uh, my, what is that called? My synopsis, my career synopsis. There you go. Also was a coach, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Allison, my next question for you is, what are some of the shortcomings or obstacles that you had to overcome when you first got back into your musical entertainment creative uh, side? Mm. You know, I would imagine when you have such a long layoff, it's like even hard to just ramp yourself back up or get the confidence back. So what were some of the harder things that you had to overcome when you first decided to come back?
2: Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing to overcome was my own fear. And literally I can remember the first audition, the first audition that I did again, you know, 13 plus years later. and. I was really nervous and I was really scared Uh, and I just had to force myself to do it. I remember having coffee with a friend uh, that morning who had a bunch of Broadway show credits and, you know, I I kind of wanted the pep talk and he was giving me the pep talk, but he was also saying like, you know, this business sucks, right? (laughs) Like, Like, do you really want to do this again? And so that just kind of normalized it all for me, uh, to remember like, yeah, I do, even though it sucks. I got, I got to give it a shot. Uh, I got to give it a shot again. And, um, and I did, and honestly, I have to say doors didn't open in that, in the way that I thought I hoped and prayed that doors would open. Um, and thank God they didn't because COVID happened a few months later. And I would be an unemployed actress. (laughs) So God was protecting me.
1: Yeah, that's great. It's funny. Also, you know, I've been leaning into this sort of living my life by this mantra. Everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. So like there are times where I miss out on things like opportunities to have guests. Maybe our schedules don't coincide or, you know, maybe some things come up and I miss the opportunity. But everything happens for a reason when COVID first happened I can't tell you I did not know what I was going to be doing next I was just sitting every day like oh gosh like what am I going to do like what what is my life going to be and literally this just it all came together because everything happens for a reason I really just believe that so like you said at first you're saying well Oh God! I got to get back in the business. People are even telling you, "You sure you won't even want to do this?" And then your first plan gets destroyed because that wasn't the plan for you. It wasn't supposed to happen for you that way. So that's awesome. Like that's a great, like just for people out there. I also try to on the show give out little tips and stuff for people who are going through it too, like going through the creative process or have a lot of insecurities and doubt. But it's like, go for it. Like just understand that some things are not going to work out but everything will work out for you if you have the right energy and you put in the right moves to try and have your dreams come true and that's always what I try to put out on the show
2: yes and we can have multiple dreams it doesn't and there's not one path to your dream and i think that's what i have learned through the writing process and composing process is you know i never in a million years thought that i would write a book Like I never in a million years thought I would write a musical, let alone a musical and a book. Um, But, you know, they were meant to come out of me, you know, much more than booking a show. So uh, and I I joke sometimes with my friends that like, well, if it's hard, then I want to do it. (laughs) Like, like my filter is like, oh, if it's really hard, if it's like the hardest thing like you could ever have to do, people are like writing a book, is like impossible. It's like, well, then I'm, then I need to do it. <laughs> okay. Challenge accepted.
1: Thank right. You. Yeah. That's great. That, and that's a great approach to things. Nothing worth having is ever easy to get. No. Right. So no. all the, the, the things that you see for yourself with a career that you want, it's going to take a lot of work. No one ever gets lucked into this and that, you know, you got to really put the work in.
2: And I feel like if they did get lucked into it, they didn't tell you about like the 10 years they were working at it (laughs) behind the scenes, you know?
1: Right, that's true, right. So good, that's this good. You're you're the master of segues because this (laughs) right into my next question. What advice would you give to a young person who wanted to start their own business, wanted to start their own creation or their own movement? My advice is always, you know, just you gotta be, really serious about it right it's easy to say i want to do a podcast it's hard to do it it's hard to record and edit and find guests and possibly go weeks without anyone listening to your show it's like it's a real process you got to be really serious about it and you really got to know that this is something that in your heart that you really want and that will beyond just your motivation and determination. But that really will keep you going in times where you feel like, what am I doing this for? Why am I working so hard? Mm. So for you, what is some advice that you can impart to younger people um, who want to get into the entrepreneurial space as well?
2: Yeah, well, I think number one is to find your community. Like you've got to find your people. You have to find your people who are doing it. Whether they're doing it right now or they're trying to do it. But people who are doing it, whatever it is, uh whether that's being an entrepreneur, whether that's being an artist, whatever whatever that is. You have to find your people and find your community. And for me that has been an enormous support system for me, both of surrounding myself with badass entrepreneur coach women who are either launching, who were launching their businesses at the same time as I was. So we were kind of going through it together. Um, Also having the network of women entrepreneurs who are ahead of me, who have already had success, who are a few years or multiple years ahead. Um, And then within the creative world, it was really finding that community. So for me, it was, you know, joining a playwriting group. And meeting with that playwriting group once a month and sharing our writing with each other and getting our writing ripped apart by each other, but also inspiring each other to be better at our craft. Um, So for me, it was really important to find both the entrepreneur coach community and also the creative community of writers, actors, musical theater performers. So that would be my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is to talk to the people who have done it before and ask so much advice. So when I first started writing the musical, I was like, okay, who do I know who's written a musical Or, or who do I know who knows someone who's written a musical? And they were so generous with their time, with their advice. And I would also always ask them both on the entrepreneur side and the creative side, what books have you read? What books would you recommend for me to read? What books did you read um, that changed your life or that helped you, you know, become a better artist or a better writer or a better entrepreneur or whatever, fill in the blank. And those, that's one of my favorite questions because then you just, I'm like, order, 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 (laughs) just add all those books to my queue. And, and I would read like constantly just to, again, take in all of that information Um, And then number three, I'd say you've you've just got to start. You've got to take that first step, just like you did with starting a podcast. It's like, what's my first step? No matter how small that first step is, action always stems more action, right? Like that energy of taking a step towards the thing that you want, it just, it feeds more energy. And then you can't help but keep taking the next step and the next step.
1: Yes. Yes. It's like when you push a small snowball down the hill, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. At first, my first goal when I started my show was just do one episode.
0: Mm. And then
1: one episode turned into 10. And then 10 turned into 20. And then I was like, Well, what if I make clothes and I can make clothes? What if I have different entrepreneurs coming on the show every week instead of me just talking? There we go. And then it just keeps going and going and going. And then you realize, wow, like. I'm really out here doing this thing that I set out for myself to do two years ago, three years ago, however long it took. You just did. You took baby steps. You didn't try to take giant steps. And you made it. You made your way to get into where you are now. So how has becoming a mother impacted your hopes, your dreams, and career? I know that parenthood, um, especially when it's new, is one of the most challenging things on this planet. There is nothing like when you can't get any sleep. You're worried about the baby's health. Where you know when they're toddlers, they're running around like maniacs, have a thousand percent energy, and you're like, "How do I even do this?" So, how has just this new venture into motherhood affected you and your multi-hyphenated career?
2: Yeah, well, um, they're not little anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my boys are ten and thirteen, and. I honestly can't even imagine trying to do even like a quarter of the things that I'm doing right now in my life if they were infants. Um, But I do think that there's a balance. And uh, I think I went to extremes by, you know, spending so much of my time in corporate America and really creating this very stable life for my children, which I do not regret at all. Right. Like I made the best decision at the time to take care of my family, but I think there were other ways that I could have still been creative and still um, expressing myself creatively without, you know, letting my soul be sucked out of me from corporate America. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I moved to New York, I was, you know, I was chasing that dream and and some, some big doors opened. I did a musical at the Apollo Theater. I, I did a national tour and that was amazing. And, you know, I will forever be grateful for having that experience. Um, but I also wanted to be a mom just as much as I wanted to perform. And so when I hit that kind of, brick wall of the doors weren't opening anymore. I said, you know what? I I want to be a mom more, more than anything. And I don't want to be 45 and looking back at my life and it being too late. Right. And, and unfortunately for women, we do have an expiration date when it comes to fertility. Um, so I am grateful that I had my kids when I had them and that, They're at a stage in their life now that they don't need me as much. Believe me, they still need me a lot, but they are way more independent um, and they're becoming little people themselves, uh, which is really cool, um, really cool to see. But yeah, I mean, I really put the whole dream of performing on hold to to raise them and uh, to create a, a stable environment where mom was always there.
1: How has um, being a mom and and raising two young people helped you in this in, in this new venture that you're taking? How has the lessons that you've learned with raising these two young people really like, you know, how have you applied that to other areas in your life? How have you applied that to writing and to coaching and to, you know, doing all the things that you do?
2: Absolutely. Well, I think anyone who is a parent, they immediately become a really strong manager of people. Because um, your your team are like your kids, and so I think you know being a mom definitely helped me be a more empathetic leader when I was in corporate America, um, and and it also helped me have empathy for my team, um, and uh, it also honestly I couldn't have written the musical or the book if I wasn't a mom. Uh, so much of the story, you know, was inspired by my grandmother and my great aunt and my grandmother had 13 children and, you know, I can't even imagine what that was like. Well, I can, because I wrote a whole book about it, but if I was not a mom of two and had, you know, had the experiences that I had, I never would have been able to write the music, the story, to be able to really Put myself in the shoes of what my grandmother might have felt. I had to tap into my own feelings and how I've, you know, experienced motherhood and those nights where everything goes wrong and all the kids are crying and there's spaghetti on the wall and you're exhausted and you haven't showered in, in two days and you smell like breast milk. I mean, the whole thing, right? Like, I've had that moment many times. (laughs) So, um, you know, life experience, I think, is what makes artists even more rich because, you know, life imitates art, art imitates life, fill in the blank, switch it around, right? You really can't create without experiencing. So I do think they have made me, um, they have made me who I am and they have made me a richer creative because of it.
1: Wow, that that you could put that in a Hallmark card and give it out like that was just the most awesome mother response ever. We gotta we gonna wrap that up. We gonna put put it in greeting cards and give it out because that was like okay, boom. I don't if even know
2: what I said, but great. I'll listen <laughs> to it on the playback.
1: When when the when the kids hear, it, they're gonna be like, "Wow, mom really like you know, I'm really looking out for us." They're gonna be really happy that you said that.
2: <laughs> oh, it's so funny. There was this one um, program that I applied for. I know you asked me before about about struggles, and I forgot about it, but I had applied for this musical theater writing program that I was, again obsessed with getting into. And I didn't get in, you know, and I spent months, you know, composing and putting my pitch together and doing all the recording demos and doing all these things. And I remember, getting the rejection email and my older son, um, at the time, you know, came upstairs and he sees me like hysterically crying and he's like, what is wrong mom? You know? And I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot what rejection feels like. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's horrible, you know? And he said, well, mom, you know, how many times did JK Rowling you know, work on Harry Potter before that book got published. I mean, she got a lot of rejection letters. And I was like, okay, out of the mouths of babes, you know?
1: Yeah. He, he put things in perspective for he you, sure huh? Did.
2: He sure did.
1: Well, oh, see? that's And that is another reason how you've been able to do everything you do as a mom. You have yes. a great support system as well.
2: Absolutely.
1: So, Allison, uh... Who are some influences that you have been impacted by or have been impactful to you throughout your journey? When I think about people who are in the talk space, which is what I'm in, I always think about like when I was a kid and I would listen to radio in the car. We would listen to all these different radio stations or growing up, you would watch Oprah interview every single person who ever existed on television. They were on Oprah's show or even in this new wave of podcasts becoming extremely popular so my all my influence come from people like that people are in the talk space even some comedians people who just are masters of language um so for you uh who are some people who have been influential to you or that you have drawn some inspiration from throughout your career
2: Sure. Well, mine is really a mix because of all of my different experiences. Um, So I went through um, a women's leadership development program probably, mm, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now, maybe more than that. And and I went through this year long program, you know, with all these corporate executive women and, and I was really, you know, starting to, to have those feelings of, wait a minute, this isn't what I meant to do. (laughs) Right. But I'm in it and I'm trapped and I don't know how to get out of it. And these two women who were leading the program, one of them is, is now, you know, one of my dearest friends and, and mentors. And they really questioned like, well, how can you combine your passion with your work? And I was like, well, you're crazy. I can't, right. I can't, comp- I can't combine musical theater and human resources. Like the two just do not go together. Um <laughs> And, but that question really led me down a really interesting path because I started by, well, what if I helped women like with their voices? Like, what if I started coaching them not to sing, but how to use their speaking voices and, you know, to increase their presence in the corporate world? And so I started like dabbling with that and it was really fun. And then, I ended up um, enrolling in a life coach, executive coach, career coaching program through this company called IPEC, and that was a year-long program, and that was completely life-changing to really um, work on myself and to flip my mindset. I had been, you know, I would say a, not a negative person, but I definitely have like a really strong self-deprecation <laughs> tendency. Um, and that experience really just completely changed my mindset of how I looked at the world, um, and how I could also help others, um, reframe, you know, and chase after their dreams and, and live their lives to their full potential. So, so those two were very big influences, um, people and organizations that really, um, changed me. And then in terms of, um, musical theater, um, you know, it's, Oh, The sky is the limit. I'd say um, watching the musical Waitress and seeing that Sara Bareilles not only composed all the music, but also starred in it for a chunk of time. She, she'd gone on and off um, in that role. But um, seeing that there are women in the musical theater world, also the composer of Hadestown as well, um, that are breaking lots of roles and are doing more than one thing, right? Um, So, so definitely another inspiration there. And, and Lin-Manuel Miranda, I mean, come on, let's be real. Like he is, um, he's a huge reason why I wrote the musical because I was watching one of his documentaries and he was talking about why he wrote In the Heights or how he started to write it, you know, and he was looking at, um, he was looking at Broadway and he was saying, I don't see myself on Broadway. And so I'm going to create, you know, I'm going to create, <laughs> I'm going to create space for people like me on Broadway. Um, and he created a whole genre, right. Of, of bringing rap to musical theater where people laughed at him. <laughs> you know? So um, yeah, those are just a couple of my influences that have really led me on my journey.
1: Yeah. And as, as it relates to Lin-Manuel and even even like, like I said, Oprah, right, it goes to show you how much you have to persevere in mm. your career and in, in, in your your path and your passion, because just because you have the idea to say, hey, I want to do a podcast or, hey, I want to write a book or, hey, I want to be an actress on Broadway doesn't mean that just because you said that, oh, yeah, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, I come, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you said you want to come on the show. Yeah, we got a place for you. It's everything is right there for you. Like that right. is not how it goes usually. Right. Right. So you have to be someone who understands that I'm going to get way more no's than yeses in the beginning. Mm. But I also have to stay true to who I am and keep confident that one day I'm going to break through like all these people I've seen do it before me.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. And Allison, my last of my serious questions, (laughs) Uh my New York Times questions, my last of those is How, in your opinion, can we leave a path for the future generation of creators? Um, As far as I'm concerned, one of my big things is always paying it forward. People come to me, ask me for advice, I have it for you. If you want to know anything about podcasting, I'm here. You know, come reach out to me, talk to me. I will do everything I can to give you as much information as I know, because I just keep that so close to my heart, how people were doing that for me. So for you, in your opinion, how can we leave a path for the future generation of people and creators?
2: Well, first of all, this is such a beautiful question. So major props for um, coming up with it. (laughs) And it's such a beautiful way to think about the future. So number one, I'd say is really being generous with our art and our knowledge. And there have been so many people, as I mentioned earlier, earlier, that have been so generous to me with their art and their knowledge. So I think being able to do the same and paying it forward for the next generation, um, especially for women. You know, I recently had a woman reach out to me through my coaching network who saw an article about my book on Broadway world and, you know, was freaking out. She was like, Oh my God, I just started writing a musical. Can we talk? And I was like, yes, I can't wait to talk to you. Um, so, you know, really encouraging people when, um, when other people say you're crazy to be creating, encourage them. You're not crazy.
1: Yeah. And, and you never know how far that can go. Like, I feel like, even now, you know, I've been doing this for, it's going to be two years now, almost two years. Even now, when I get those random messages from a stranger to say, hey, I listened to your show, whatever episode it was, great job. i just be in my house like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, like just one person, you know, and that how much it does for you in terms of confidence. Someone reaffirming the belief that you have in yourself, like this random person just found the show, clicked it, listened to it, and said it was good. And they felt good enough about it to tell me that they thought it was good. It's just like these small things. We're all chasing the big, you know, we all looking at that Oscar or that Emmy or, you know, saying that just big award, that big recognition. But it's really just the small things that have the biggest impact, you know, just a random DM on Instagram saying you're doing a good job or people reaching out and say, hey, uh, you know, I had a really good time on your show. You know, I have these other people who may want to talk to you too. That's a compliment in itself. So yeah. I always just try to find the small, the small victories. That's what it's about. You know, you pile up enough small victories, you end up at the top. So that's just how I like to go about it.
2: I love that. Yes, I mean, for me, I've been getting all these DMs of my friends getting my book and reading it. And, you know, I'll get the, the funniest, you know, the funniest DMs of, uh, you know, of like what pages are on or asking me and be like, did this really happen? You know, <laughs> is this real? Is this true? Where did this story come from? You know, um, or I can't, I, I'm, I'm on page 85, you know, what happens <laughs> on 86? I was like, oh my God, wow. Okay. Like, this is, this is awesome. You know, yeah. this is awesome. Like, this is what happens when you share your art with the world. People get yes. to actually consume it.
1: <laughs> And yeah, And then, you know, what's funny about it, that you kind of have to like have that moment like, you know, this is really me. Like, I don't know if that, that makes sense. I had a point where I had maybe, let's say, 25 episodes out and uh, a, a friend of mine came to me and were like, you know, they just said it in a way like, hey, you know, you have like 20. I was surprised to see that you had like 25 episodes out and I I didn't think of it because I'm just worried about making it come out and doing it. And they're like, yeah, you know, you had 25 episodes come out. You did all of that by yourself. And I was just like, wow, you know, I did do that. And then when I started getting guests, I was like, you know, people were like, how did you get this person? How did you get that person? How do you know them? And just like, it's happening, man. I don't know what to tell you. You're (laughs) putting
2: positive energy out in the universe and it's coming back to you.
1: Yes. And that's the best feeling. Just knowing that you're trying your best to do good. And people are seeing the work, how it's being translated to your craft, and also people recognizing, like, you're really doing a good job. All right. So this is my favorite part of the show with the guest. We're moving right along. You guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter, at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. Twitter is the exact same except there are no vows in neighborhood on Twitter. And Allison, one thing I do every show is I answer questions from the listeners of the show. It's a great way to keep them involved. It's a great way to keep them engaged. It's a great way to sort of break up the monotony or the NPR style of interview that we that we, I usually do with the guests. It's a lot of fun to do. So I would like to have you answer some questions from the listeners to get more information on what makes Allison, Allison. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so my first question for you from the listeners is who would you like want to play you in a movie about your life
2: oh all right I have a couple you know in case my a game isn't available (laughs) (laughs) um Rachel Brosnahan I've had a lot of people tell me that that I remind them of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So um, she would be number one. Uh, Reese Witherspoon okay. and Drew Barrymore would be like a toss up for, for two and three. So those re- would be my top three.
1: I really see the Drew Barrymore. I see that.
2: Yes. I've been okay. told I look like her too, so you know,
1: <laughs> we'll see. All right, all right. Uh, my next question, well, actually, no. Let me say who I would like to play me in a movie. Obviously, there is only one choice. (laughs) My name is Denzel. Yes, there is only one choice. Now, he is much older than me, so it'd probably have to be like a a, a movie from my older perspective.
2: Yeah, they can CGI his face. Yeah,
1: (laughs) but yes, my mom literally named me Denzel after Denzel Washington, so it has to be him. I'm putting it out in the universe, Denzel. Call me man, we could talk about it. I got the treatment already written.
2: <laughs> does he have a son? He might have a son.
1: I think looks yeah. like him. He does have a son. Um, have you ever seen the movie Tenet by Christopher with Chris, by Christopher yes. Nolan? Yes. He, the main character is Denzel Washington's son.
2: Get out.
1: Yep. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. But I want the I want the original. I don't want, want the OG. I don't want the yeah. sequel. I want the original.
2: <laughs> you want the OG.
1: <laughs> all right so my next question for you from the listeners is what are your top five albums now, allison you may get in trouble
2: oh there's gonna Forewarned. be now yeah
1: so we gotta we st- you're brave for even choosing this one i know, I know. <laughs> but if you could tell the audience what is allison's top five albums
2: So this is such a fun question. And I feel like even just thinking about it made me think about my childhood because the first three are totally like completely being a child of the eighties and, and having parents who are hippies. So (laughs) my number one, my number one album is tapestry by Carol King.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, Number two is Whitney Houston. Her How Will I Know album, like it, it didn't even have a name. It was just Whitney Houston. It was like that orange cassette tape that I played to death in my attic. Um, third would be James Taylor, um, Sweet Baby James. And then for more recent ones, uh, I got to go with Hamilton. I mean, I have to have a musical album on here in my in my top five. And another album that I have played absolutely to death is the Stars Born soundtrack with Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Um, and I have sang Shallow about 8 million times, and I did it on a lot of auditions. I played the piano and sang Shallow, and it was, it was my song. It was my signature song. So those are my top five haters. I mean, these are, <laughs> these are classics. These are absolute classics. So... How can you fight with me over Carol King and Whitney Houston and you know, James the, Taylor? Like you, you just can't.
1: You know the internet doesn't take logic and <laughs> sense into the equation. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So be prepared for a lot of DMs saying, "How could you? I thought yes. you were a purist." Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's gonna happen. I'm telling you, it's gonna I'm, happen. I'm
2: waiting for it. Waiting so
1: for just it. be prepared. Allison is 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 uh, with the smoke. Okay. She will not take your criticisms lightly. So be prepared before you press send. That's all I'm gonna say.
2: There (laughs) are some divas on this list and you don't mess with divas. That's
1: right. That's right. That is right. Mm -hmm. All right. And Allison, my last question for you from the listeners is what fictional place would you most like to go? So fun
2: uh hogwarts definitely hogwarts i read all of the harry potter books with one of my sons and you know 800 page books and watched all the movies and you know jk rowling just created an amazing made-up world so i would love to be at hogwarts for a day
1: all right so if you're in hogwarts what would be your what would be your house would you be a Gryffindor a Slytherin uh, a Ravenclaw or a Hufflepuff
2: obviously Gryffindor <laughs> obviously
1: you know I see a lot of people oh everyone overwhelmingly says Gryffindor I gotta give a little bit of love to Slytherin a little bit
2: really oh, a little so bit of love. evil is what you're saying I'm not saying that <laughs> I won't, I
1: won't go that far <laughs> but green is my favorite color. That's number one. Okay. And two, like there were some things that the Slytherins, I would say did well, you know, even though they were corrupt in some ways and were had some evil some tendencies,
2: or a few. they did they have a lot of, people.
1: <laughs> they had a lot of ambition and also they became very powerful. You know, they were really powerful. So I did like this. I had to give a little bit of love to Slytherin.
2: I love that you're defending Slytherin. That's
1: I will defend I will defend Slytherin. I will say that they were bad, but I would say 70-30. Like I see 70% of them were bad, but I do see the good 30%. Okay. I
0: okay.
1: see. it. You know, you gotta, you gotta look through the story sometimes through the eyes of the Slytherin. Like, how are From they
2: perspective? Yes. Right.
1: How do they see see the world, you know? Love it. <laughs> I'm the only person in Harry Potter history to ever defend a Slytherin, so it's okay. I'll be the first.
2: That's okay.
1: And Allison, my one of my my last question for you. This is where you leave your uh your imprint or your mark on the audience.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, what is one thing that you would like to leave the listeners with as a piece of advice, a life jewel, or just something very important that you would like to express before we end our interview today?
2: So it's absolutely to take that first step towards your dream and to embrace the idea that it's never too late. It's just never too late to chase after a new dream or to accomplish one that you never thought you would. So get going and take that first step, however small it is.
1: That is, that is great. That is the great bow that we've tied on the end of our podcast today. Allison, thank you so, so much for coming on the show, giving out all your great information and telling your amazing story. I really appreciate it. Um, It's a great thing to have people come on who do so many great things and cool things. I really think that the audience appreciates these types of people. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. And there's nothing left for me to do but to roll out the red carpet for you again. I would like for you to reiterate your name and all of the places that the people can find you.
2: You got it. Well, thank you, Denzel. This was so much fun. So much fun. Such a delightful conversation. Um, you can find me on my website, allisonhernandez.net, on Twitter at Alison extra on Instagram, Alison Hernandez underscore extra. I can't even say that it's a tongue twister. Allison Hernandez on both Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you want to check out some of um, my music, I also have uh, an EP called Soul Stories on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you download music.
1: And lastly, it is tradition around here on the Bronx Bias podcast that we allow our guest to choose a song that we play at the end of our podcast. So, Allison, the honor is yours. What song would you like to play for the good people out there?
2: So I have an EP out on iTunes and uh, called Soul Stories. So I would love you to play one of my songs, one of my covers. And since I'm a Broadway baby, let's go first. She Used to Be Mine from Waitress.
1: All right. All right. Thank you so much, Allison, for coming on the show. I really appreciate this conversation that we had today. And much love and many successes to you in the future. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Round of applause for my guest for today, Alison Hernandez. Round of applause. And lastly, let us get into our NFL predictions. So, last week, I was pretty good on my picks. I went three out of four with the only incorrect choice being taking the Green Bay Packers to defeat the San Francisco 49ers. And in turn, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Packers. And that was really a game that I did not expect at all. I did not think that San Francisco could travel cross-country to the Midwest from a warm weather state to a cold weather game the weather was like four degrees and it snowed and that they would win. i did not see it coming but the packers really just laid an egg and you gotta put this solely at the feet of my guy my guy aaron Rodgers. it has to be at his feet the the way that the game played if if you told me or if you told anybody throughout the season the packers would limit a team to 13 points on defense 13 points Or not even 13 points. They limited them to six points on defense, and the the touchdown they scored was on a special teams error. So if you're telling me that the Packers would give up only 13 points and lose the game, especially how high-octane their offense has been all season, no one would have predicted that. But that just goes to show you that football is any given Sunday. Anybody can lose at any time, any week, no matter who's favorite and who isn't. But Aaron Rodgers really, really has to be the one that we place blame on. Who else can you place blame on? If he gets all the credit, he's going to win MVP this season for having the tremendous season he's had. He went and talked shit about the whole Green Bay Packers front office in the beginning of the season, which I did like because you never hear players talk about how their organization does business and sometimes there's a lot of bad business done. But if you're going to do all that and you go out against a team where you are the heavy favorite, they're a huge underdog against you. You cannot play that poorly. You just can't. It is his fault that they lost. I will say that. And he's my guy. I love this guy. He's one of the most amazing quarterbacks I've ever seen play football in my life. But you have to take accountability. So he is the reason that they lost. So crap. But more than anything, congratulations to the San Francisco 49ers for winning that game. Um, Cincinnati and Tennessee, I pretty much predicted. I knew it wasn't going to be a super, super high-scoring game, but I knew that Cincinnati would do enough to win. You could tell that Derrick Henry wasn't Derrick Henry that we're used to. Um, and Ryan Tannehill is a complimentary quarterback at best. He's not a star. So, you know, 19-16 to 16 is the score that you would expect. But big love to Joe Barrow and them. They're doing the damn thing. They are doing the damn thing. I will say they drafting jamar chase was good for them because he is a special wide receiver but you see how badly they need to address their offensive line and the fact that panay sewell an astounding offensive lineman they did not draft is telling so hopefully this year in the draft they really address that offensive line because you can't have a quarterback as good as burrow and have him on his ass the whole game he got sacked like nine times and remember he's coming off an acl tear you gotta remember that so Cincinnati, do what you got to do to get some offensive linemen to protect your boy because he is very good. He's a very good quarterback. The Rams and the Bucks. I was very glad that the Rams did win. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback ever, but come on, enough, bro, enough. We need to see somebody else, and I'm glad that the Rams got it done. This even puts Brady's career into jeopardy. If I had to guess right now, I would say that he plays one more season. That's it one more year let's see what they do and that's it and finally buffalo and kansas city you this game was so good i wanted both of them to win for real for real like this was one of the best playoff games i had ever seen yo one of the best playoff games i had ever seen like it was so amazing such great quarterback play Like so high, so high octane, so entertaining. What makes NFL? It's what makes the NFL great. And I really felt bad that one of them had to lose. I and unfortunately it was Buffalo, but they played a hell of a game. It's just Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, man. He gonna do that to a lot of people. He's gonna make a lot of people, you know, sad. I will say. So it was an amazing game, though. If you guys hadn't seen that game man you missed out on a on a great game it was a great game so now for the afc and the afc title game we have cincinnati against kansas city at kansas city and for the nfc for the nfc title game we have san francisco against la and here are my picks first game i'm going to take the kansas city chiefs to defeat the cincinnati Bengals. i think Playing Buffalo was probably the most difficult team that they have played all season. And they played Buffalo earlier this year, and they did lose. They lost by, like, 18 points. So it was a big deal for for Kansas City to win this playoff game. Um, they played extremely well in the moments that mattered most. They got into field goal range with 13 seconds left, which was freaking amazing. Shout out to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. That was amazing. And um, I think that... St- Even though Cincinnati has shown a lot of promise and progress, I don't think that they're ready yet. So um, I will take Kansas City to win this game. And the NFC, uh, I'm going to take the Los Angeles Rams to win this game as well. I think that Matthew Stafford proved that what he was saying about Detroit was correct. He loved the city of Detroit. He didn't have any problems with it, but he just wanted an opportunity to play on a good team with a good infrastructure with good weapons and for the ball to be in his hands with the in the situations that mattered most so a lot of us initially thought that matthew stafford was a good quarterback but he wasn't a good playoff performer because he hadn't won any games in the playoffs. playing against tom brady at in tampa bay is no small thing so for him to be able to go in there they built a nice lead And of course, Brady made a little comeback, but then for them to close out the game the way they did with Matthew Stafford throwing a beautiful pass, I think it was great. I think it was the start of what the Rams believed when they traded all those assets to get him. And um, I do think that the Rams will win this game and go to the Super Bowl as well. So those are my predictions. In the AFC, I have Kansas City to defeat Cincinnati and go to the Super Bowl. And I also have in the NFC, the Los Angeles Rams to defeat San Francisco and go to the Super Bowl as well. So we will see how things go. Uh I know that this is a big money weekend in terms of betting if you guys are into gambling, but I will say bet wisely because just like we saw last week with Green Bay and San Francisco, anything could happen on any given Sunday. Um so we'll see what happens and those are my predictions for the NFC and AFC championship games. And that, guys, will wrap it up. Episode number 88 of the Bronx Bias Podcast is in the books. I'm your host once again. My name is Denzel. I want to say thank you so, so much to Allison Hernandez uh, for coming on the show. We had a great, great, great conversation today. I really, really appreciate it. Also, thank you to everyone who tunes in, who likes who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaging with me on the social media platforms. Please do not forget, your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. And you can visit the website, bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com. Come check it out. Again, I'm an independent potter from the BXMY, so all of the support I can receive on the merch will be greatly 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 appreciated and i sincerely sincerely appreciate every single person who has gone on and purchased a merch from me i truly appreciate you guys and we are going to fade you guys out today with a great 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 song which is my guest Allison hernandez's choice and it's a song by alison hernandez and it is called she used to be mine by Allison hernandez off of the album soul stories and this has been the bronx bias podcast episode 88 have a great week have a great weekend out there and be safe and i'll speak to you guys next week we are out
0: recognize me that these shoes and this apron their place and its patrons have taken more than I gave them it's not easy to know I'm not anything like I used to be although it's true I was never attention sweet center I still Back to